I was thinking as, you know, in praying about the crucifixion, and I just felt tonight to really focus on Gethsemane. I think so often we read so quickly over Gethsemane and the fact that uh, um, it all began there. You know, the beginning where Jesus uh, speaks to the Lord. And if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, amen, Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to begin reading at verse 36, but you'll find here that they would partaken of the Lord's Supper, and then immediately after that, uh, first they were were at the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then after that, they, in the middle of that, they um, took up the Lord's Supper. And I think all of this is very crucial to Gethsemane. Many of us will, will face Gethsemanes in our lives. We'll, we'll face situations where it doesn't seem like anybody is going to stand with us. It doesn't seem like anybody can can help us through this situation you know i think of jesus he was on death row for 33 years he was born on death row and it's one thing for you know an inmate a prisoner that has been given a life sentence that he um that he may end up 20 years some 30 years on death row and they may go through a lot of appeals and they go through all those illegal things that they go through but there's something about the actual walk down that corridor to where your life is going to end that really is sobering now I've never done that but I only imagined what that might be like to walk down that hall Well, I want you to know Jesus is in Gethsemane getting ready to walk down that hall. 33 years he knew that he was the sacrificial lamb. He knew that he was the Passover. But there in Gethsemane, that's where he had just, he'd already eaten his last meal. You know, every person on death row has a right to a last meal in this country, and they can order what they will. Well, Jesus had his last meal. And he said, I'll not eat again nor drink again of the vine until I go into my father's house. And so he ate his last meal just like a person on death row. And he goes to the holding chamber, that's Gethsemane, getting ready for that beginning of the torture, of the ridicule, of all the things that he's about to face. So we want to look at Gethsemane and understand and I want to begin to read it from verse 36 of Matthew chapter 26 it said then cometh Jesus to them unto a place called Gethsemane and he saith unto his disciples sit ye here while I go and pray yonder and he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee which was James and John by the way and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. I mean, excruciatingly. And I'll talk about that again in a little bit. Then saith he unto them, 
My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he wept a little, uh, he went a little thither and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not my will, but thou, thine be done. You know, I think on death row, how many times a person will appeal not to die. And at midnight that night, just before the the the, the, uh, the the clock strikes midnight, the a governor will will give them a, a a stay, you know from from that. Well, I can see Jesus here almost, you know. Will I get a stay, or is it a green light? Am I going to go forward? Am I going to be crucified? What we see in that is not a double-minded man. We see man and God in one. We see God, but we also see the man. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And what we have to realize in that is he had a human will because he suffered like as every one of us had suffered. And then we need to understand and realize that that he had to lay down his will. You know what the Bible said? If any man come after me, let him lay down his will. What he says is, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he cometh unto the disciples of verse 40, and he findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, what could ye not watch with me one Hour, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was concerned for them. How are they going to hold up? You know what I'm going to go through. Well, we do know what happens, and I'll be reading that in a little while. But he really was concerned. You know, Jesus is concerned for you and I today. He's saying, can you not watch? What did the Bible say about his second come, about, about the rapture? He said, watch. He's concerned that we watch. He's concerned that we don't fall asleep with the things of the world. And what that means is to become earthly-minded or worldly-minded instead of godly-minded. So he's, he's concerned with Peter. I want you to know he's concerned today. Will you watch? Will you be ready? Would you be like the five uh, wise virgins who took oil and prepared themselves for my, for my coming? And that's what we have to understand and realize. He was concerned with Peter. And he went away again a second time, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. You know what the Lord said? He said, be as I am. Be as I am. You're going to have, you're going to face decisions that are going, that are going to cost you something. In fact, maybe everything. And we have to be willing to say, Lord, I am willing. Now, we can look back just a little bit. Uh, before this text, we find that, G that 
Peter is predicted to deny the Lord three times. Lord, I'm willing to die for you. He says, no, before the cock crows. And you'll find that in Matthew uh, 26, 31 through 35. Jesus said, you will fail me. But he said, there's a time coming. And what we need to understand is that if we to be, uh, to be like Jesus, we need to say, Lord, I'm willing to persevere through everything. And God allows us to face situations in which maybe we will fail. But thank God, that's not the ultimate failure. The ultimate failure is, it says in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of Son of Man, that he will come suddenly and quickly. And he said, and the door will be shut. And they that are outside will be caught and unaware to go through the flood, or in this case, to go through the tribulation. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he cometh unto the disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now. Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed unto the hand of the sinners. Arise, let us go. And you kind of, I kind of read that, and I said, well, how come he just told him to sleep on? And then says, get up. I'm still going to have to work on that one. Maybe you, you can work that out for me. And he says, arise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand, and that uh, that doth betray me. And I want to read down a little bit further. And he said, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him with a great multitude with a sword, staves uh, from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he was betrayed, and now he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, Whosoever I will kiss, the same is he. Hold him fast. And forwith he came to Jesus. And he said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came uh, they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which was with Jesus stretched out his hand, and, and others say Peter, stretched out his hand, uh, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Well, let me tell you, I think he was aiming for his neck, but he wasn't a very good soldier. He cut the, cut the guy's ear off. And behold, and, and then it says, and Jesus said unto him, put up again the sword in his place for all they that take the sword shall perish with that sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? I begun to think about that. What is a legion? Well, in the Roman army, a legion was 3,000 to 6,000 men. So I thought of that. In other words, what Jesus said, I could call down 74, uh, 72,000 angels. 
Could you imagine that? Now, let me share this with you. One angel killed all of the army of Assyria when Sennacherib came up against Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32 and 21. One angel did that. And Jesus said, don't you know, I could get, I could, I, the Father would send me 72,000 angels. Don't you understand how powerful I am? Don't you understand, uh, uh, you, know, you know, who I am? Do you think that I, how many of us have ever been guilty trying to defend God? And God looks at us and don't you know? The power that I have. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I can do? You know, we, we pray and say, Lord, oh, please, uh, you know, save your church, save your church. And, and Jesus said, you don't, you don't even need to worry about that. The church is my body. And I will, and I will preserve it. You know, we don't need to fear what man will do. The Bible said perfect love casteth out all fear. What is perfect love? Is knowing him. Is knowing him. That's perfect love. But now then shall the scripture be, be fulfilled that thus it must be. And in the same hour said Jesus to the multitude, are you come out as against a thief with a sword and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and ye laid no hold on me. You see, you wonder why. You know, I think of that man that was in Florida and uh, he was a 70-some-year-old man, and, and he was someone that was close to Trump. And they came in with the SWAT teams and the helicopters and everything else, and they dragged him out of his house. He's thinking, I'm a 72-year-old man. They, you know where I was yesterday. You know where I, But, you know, they do it for a show. They do it because they want to exaggerate it. I mean, Jesus is looking at him and saying, hey, you didn't grab me yesterday, but today you come out and you come out with all of your the staves and all of the swords and, and, and with this array uh, like I'm some thief. It's no different today than it was then, is it? People will exaggerate. The media will exaggerate. And they sure were exaggerating. And he says this, he says, but all this was done that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I remember one teacher, one, well, thank God John didn't, didn't uh, uh, desert him. That's not, the Bible says every single one of them deserted him. Every one. You ever feel like, everybody's deserted you you ever feel like your your children uh, just don't seem to care about you or, or or you know and you can go on about you know the times of loneliness you can be in the room with a, with a with a bunch of people and yet you can feel alone like nobody understands you see that's a gethsemane moment 
And I think that we're going through, even in this nation, a Gethsemane moment where we're saying, Father, if it be possible, but nevertheless, Lord, I surrender to you. We sing that song, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. Well, I want to look at the word Gethsemane for a minute. In the Strong's Concordance, it, it says that it's of Chaldee origin. And what it means is oil press, Gethsemane, a garden near Jerusalem. It is made up of two root words. I want you to listen to this for a minute. The first is gath. Gath, in the, in the uh, Strong's Concordance, is a sense of treading out grapes, a wine press, or a vat for holding the grapes and pressing them. And I think of Jesus was about to be crushed like a grape shedding his blood. You see, the Bible says in, in, in um, Psalms 22, he said, I have become a worm. And that worm was crushed that it would that the blood of the worm would be there would be able to dye the um, the outer garments of royalty is a very expensive process and what we realize in this is that Jesus was about to be crushed but i want to look at the second root word and you that took dr cottle's last class we sat together you'll know this word the second word is shemen Shemen. So it is, it's Gar Shemen. And the word Shemen here, and I want to get there, it means a greasy, especially, especially liquid as from the olive, often perfume, fragrance, richness, anointing, fruitful. From the, from the olive tree of the vine and what we realize in this is that when we put this together that Jesus was about to be was about to be crushed and the anointing would be released by the crushing crushing and given to the whole world or should I say to all that will receive it you see it had to be crushed Jesus became that, that olive, he, he was crushed that we might receive the anointing. He wanted us to have that anointing. And it, it reminds me of Joel 2.28. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out afterward. Remember that word afterward. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall see dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And, it, and then I want to uh, look at this, the same uh, text, but requoted in Acts 2 by Paul. Um, and he goes to, it wasn't, uh, wasn't Paul. I believe it was Peter. Thank you. I'm talking to myself now. 
It said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. How many have gone to YouTube and seen people dreaming dreams? That's scriptural. But one thing I want you to know about a dream is if it, you know, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't agree with this word, then, then it's wrong. And also, you need to put that on the shelf and wait and see. I wait and see. I'm, I'm excited about things that are to come. I mean, there's some that would say the, the Russians are coming. It's almost like the British are coming. And, 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 and there, there are some that say that we're going to be broken up into two nations, 27 uh, uh, of the states going with uh, the conservatives and, and then the rest going the other. You know, that, that's another prophecy or, or dream that somebody had. And, and I'm intrigued by them. But again, I'm very, very careful. Very careful. Because I know it's scriptural to dream dreams. And so I'm not saying, oh, it's evil that they're dreaming dreams. But you need to understand something. Just because somebody has a dream doesn't mean we jump on the bandwagon. But it can be to alert us. I'm going to tell you one thing about a dream. I knew a man that had, had a dream. And he said in his dream, he was looking up and all he could see was metal above him. And he heard a siren. And, and, and when he heard the siren, that thing came down and crushed him. And he even asked people, what, what do you think that dream means? Anybody, anybody know? And, and everybody's thinking, you know, I, I don't know. The, the man that had the dream, his name was Wayne Daly, a Pentecostal preacher down in uh, Haverhill, Mass. He lived in an apartment building, and he needed to do the brakes on his car. And so he was there underneath his car looking up at metal, when he heard the siren go off, you know, you remember in the old days when every Saturday they blew that siren, you know, to let you know, huh? They don't do that anymore, do they? They don't do much anymore. But they used to blow that siren. Well, he's under the car looking up at metal, and he hears the siren. And you know what he did? He rolled immediately, and he said as soon as his back touched the, the wall of that building, that car came right down. So sometimes we have dreams. We don't, we don't know. Maybe you'll run around saying, can you interpret? Can you interpret? And people say, I, I don't know. But I believe that dreams are important. And I believe that when God can trust you with dreams, he'll give you more dreams. But you know what we ought to do? We ought to journal our dreams and look at them. I told you not uh, a while back I, I had a dream. And 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 because I asked the Lord that I said, Lord, I want to have a dream from you. And that morning I had a dream. I had that I had a dream. <laughs> you know what the dream was? I was bagging my trash, and the trash truck truck already went by. I'm thinking I got. I took my wife, and I said I was laughing. I said, I, I had a dream. I I didn't make it to the trash truck. And the, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, maybe you ought to consider that dream. We need to get the trash out before the Lord comes. 
you know, you know, sometimes we just dismiss things and we really should listen. He's the he that has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit is speaking expressly to the church. So when I hear a dream, I take it seriously. But if someone has a dream and says, uh, you know, we're all supposed to uh, buy land up north and, and move up there, I'm not going to act upon it really quickly, I want you to know. I'll say, well, that's interesting. We'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> Gethsemane was a beautiful garden with olive trees that produced oil and vines that produced the grapes. Olives on a vine or a tree? Well, I shouldn't have put tree in there, should I? Uh, olive vines and grape vines. Okay, that, that grew there on that beautiful place in Gethsemane. Well, the grapes, we know that the olives or the oil represents the Holy Spirit and the wine represents the blood of Jesus. He was in the right place. He was in the place where the oil was was crushed for the anointing of prophets and for kings. In Leviticus 8 and 30, it says that Moses took the anointing oil and the blood which was upon the altar, and he sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garment and upon his son and upon his son's son's garment with him. And he sanctified Aaron and his garment and his sons and his son's son's garments with him. And so what we realize in this is this is the beginning of the Levitical priesthood. But how did it begin? It began with the oil and the blood. And we find here, and you can see that in, in the New Testament, that kings and priests must be anointed. In Revelations 1, 6, it said, And he hath made us kings and priests. Think about that. Unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus anointed us kings and priests through his death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit after the order of Melchizedek. And I want to just say a little bit about that. In Psalms 110 and 1, it said, And the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And the Lord had sworn, this is in verse 4, And the Lord hath sworn and will not repent, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we know that Melchizedek first appeared in the Bible uh, when Abraham paid tithe unto him. But he was a priest unto God. We don't know a whole lot about the Melchizedek of the Old Testament, but we do know that that priesthood was the priesthood that Jesus would ultimately carry. In Hebrews 6.20 it said, whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
The first bloodshed in agony in Gethsemane. Now, I want you to know that, that Luke writes this just a little bit different. Now, I want you to know that, that Luke says they went to the Mount of Olives. James and, uh, uh, James, uh, not James, but Mark and Matthew say that he went to Gethsemane. And John just said he crossed the brook. So, so we have three. But what we want you to know is Gethsemane is at the foothill. It is part of the Mount of Olives, and it is across the brook. So it's just how, how they, they, they saw it. Well, I want to read to you what Luke had seen. In Luke twenty two forty four, he said, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down into the ground. The first blood was shed in Gethsemane. And I, I looked that up because I, I've heard about it. You know, what is this? It is a rare thing uh, he experienced, and I know I'm going to butcher this word, it's H-E-M-A-T-O-H-I-D-R-O-S-I-S. It is a condition that he has suffered. And why was that brought out in the book of Luke, but not in the others? I'll tell you why, because Luke was a physician. He understood physical things. And he brings this out. Hamathodorus, I'm just going to put it out there, is a rare condition characterized by blood oozing from intact skin and mucus. Blood oozing from the skin and the mucus. I believe here that he became the red heifer. Here is the first shedding of blood for our atonement. They would, he would surrender his will and face the cross, endure the shame, and die the death of a sinner. But I believe he became the red heifer. Suitable for sacrifice to become our Passover. Let me read this. So what is the red heifer? In, heifer in Numbers, and i got to slow down. In Numbers 19 and 2, this is the ordinance of the law which God hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, with no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He did not have a spot. You see, he, he bled first in Gethsemane, but he could not bleed through a wound because a wound would have disqualified him. He couldn't have a scar. When I was 13 years old, I dove off of a wharf in, on the, at the river down in, in Gorm, and a nail was sticking up, and it ripped my knee and the fat came out of the knee, and they had to poke it back in and sew it up. You see, that wound alone 
would have disqualified the sacrifice. Oh, there are so many things that would have disqualified me. But what I'm saying is, is, is even appendicitis, anything. He did not have one mark on his body. So his bleeding in Gethsemane was through the pores of his skin, not through a wound, because he would have been disqualified. In fact, they say that the red heifer could not have more than three white hairs. I mean, the priest, you imagine how, how time-consuming that was for the priest to sit there and look through every single part of that cow. He probably thought they were crazy. Every single part of that cow, they, they had to look at because nothing, it had to be perfect. And what we need to understand and realize is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. When we first begin the story, we see that he is in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The, unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is seven days. In fact, Jewish people will tell you that they literally would clean their cupboards out of anything that could even resemble leaven because they wanted to sanctify their house from leaven for seven days. What is the leaven a type of? What did Jesus say? He said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole loaf. So in other words, leaven is a type of sin. And that's why when we take communion, which we're going to tonight, and we break bread, we always used unleavened bread. Because it shows the Last Supper according to the way the Lord would have it. And that is that he was without, he became the bread of life. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. They did not know what he was saying. And, you know, we're going to partake of that tonight. We're going to break bread tonight. Unleavened bread representing the body of Jesus Christ. And we're going to drink of the vine, the grape juice. Representing the blood that was spilled for us on, in Gethsemane and ultimately on Calvary. But this is a time of celebration. We ask ourselves, why do we call it Good Friday? Good Friday is, is the day that he suffered, the day that he was sacrificed, the day that he died. And the fact of it is, is without the shedding of blood that we wouldn't have any hope. We'd all be doomed to hell. But Jesus paid the price. That's why we can call it Good Friday. I'd thought about the crucifixion and going through that. But I said, Lord, I, wanna, I just want to take it from another angle. I just want to share something that many people just read through real fast and they don't really take a look at what Gethsemane means. It should mean to each in every one of us, because Gethsemane was just after the Last Supper that he would ever eat on earth. He was getting ready right there to walk down that corridor, that dark, cold corridor, to his death. 
that was a place of preparing to take that last walk. And each one of us should look at that and realize, Lord God, it must have been horrible. My grandmother, uh, one time she prayed, she said, Lord, let me just feel for a moment what it felt like to have those thorns pressed into your skull. And she said, and all of a sudden, an excruciating headache like she'd never, ever had before. And she said, Lord, please take it from me immediately. Take it from me now. It was so excruciating, the pain. No, we, we don't realize the blood dripping down in his face and in his eyes. Uh, he couldn't even see where he was going. And they would beat on him and, and, and smote him. They stripped him naked to be a, a, play, a, a, a symbol of shame. But he did all this for you and I. And dear, if you come to the piano, I just want to come down there. I want to serve you all. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 26, just before the Gethsemane, and we're going to look at Matthew 26 and verse 26. He said, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. Now you have to understand, they're already in the feast of the Passover. They're, they're having a Passover meal. You can find that right up here in verse 17. They were already eating. And we know it had to be unleavened bread because it was the feast of unleavened bread. And Jesus, in the midst of that feast of unleavened bread, stands up. And he said, brothers, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said to them, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup up and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remissions of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. See, this was his last meal. He was on death row. His last meal. And he's saying here, This is my flesh. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to break the bread. And the Bible said he broke it. And after the same manner, he took the cup and said, this is my blood. So why don't we go ahead 
from here and just come around. I want to serve each one of you. I know Catholicism has many sacraments, but we only have two. It's baptism, water baptism, and we have the Last Supper. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, Pat. All right, I guess you're gonna come up. I got it. I'm, I'm kind of hiding the juice, so come and grab a juice too. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that none of us come worthy, but Lord, let us come worthily. Let us look upon the body that was broken. Let us ask you, Lord Jesus, to remit our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ as we repent and turn about from our wicked ways. Lord, I pray, Lord, this night as we partake of this, we realize in this is the healing. We realize that this cup is the salvation. And Father, we take it seriously because we know that you have provided for us and finished the work, that we can be partakers of that which you have done and wrought in our lives. In Jesus' name. And after that, men, they took the bread and he said, eat, this is my body. And after the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood that was given for the remission of sin. Let us partake of that. Lord Jesus, for healing tonight, I pray we'd see that in this house. We know that you're the healer. We know that you're the deliverer, Lord God. As you said to that disciple, don't you know that I can ask my father and he will send 70,000 angels? God, let us put away carnal weapons and carnal things. 
And let us serve you, Lord Jesus, with our whole heart. Lord, we need you desperately. Lord, especially as this day approaches into darkness. I know you were concerned for Peter. And you said, could you not tarry with me one hour? Peter, I'm concerned for you. He said, I do perceive that the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't want to see you overcome by temptations of this world. But to be empowered by me. And my father's house. Lord, we thank you tonight for your miracle work and power. We thank you tonight for salvation. We thank you, Lord God, tonight for the blood that was shed on Calvary. We thank you for that cross that was an emblem of your suffering and your shame. And the despise that you had endured, Lord God. Father, we knew that it was such a shame that for three centuries the church couldn't even, couldn't even look at it because they understood the shame of it. And Lord God, you were born to die. And for 33 years on death's row, there in Gethsemane is your preparation place. It's the last place where you and the Father would commune. It's the last place, Lord God, before the pain began. And Lord Jesus, yet you submitted to it willfully. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. God is so good.